0: bad for our children because uh, they are coming in uh, near the end of our series. I don't know if you've ever walked in kind of on the back end of a conversation before or you ever started watching a movie in the in the middle of it and sometimes you don't know exactly where you are. The other day we were watching a movie at my house called The Boy Who Harnessed the Wind. It was a great little story about a 13-year-old boy uh, who uh, figures out a way to to uh, create, to make this water pump, to uh, water the fields and grow crops for his family. There was, they're from Africa. Uh, They were experiencing uh, a drought. And so my wife and I are watching this movie and Cademan, my oldest son, comes in about halfway uh, through and he starts asking questions. He's like, who's that? And we're like, well, that's, it's the main character. He's, uh, he's 13 years old. And they're like, he's like, well, where, where is he right now? It's like, well, he, he's at school. And they're like, well, why, why is he not in class? It's like, well, he couldn't go to school anymore because his parents couldn't afford to pay for it. And so he, he wasn't allowed to sit in class anymore. And so he's in the library. And he's like, well, what is he doing in the library? And it's like, well, he's, he's studying energy. He's trying to figure out a way to make this water pump to water the fields. He's like, why does he want to water the fields? And then after about seven or eight questions, you're like, you missed the whole thing. Like, you're just coming into the middle of the story, and you don't understand what's taking place. I don't know if you've ever done this before. And so kids, it might feel a little bit like this morning you are coming into uh, the very middle or maybe the end of a story. We have been uh, studying the life of Jesus from the Gospel of Mark, and we've asked the question, who is Jesus? Uh, Because how we answer that question, I firmly believe, uh, could change your life and my life for all of eternity. It's a very important question uh, to ask and answer Uh, This Sunday, today, uh, we are going to talk about really the last moments of the life of Christ. The very last moments of the life of Christ. To be honest with you, if you were to see this story on uh, a movie screen or the television screen, your parents would probably uh, tell you to turn the station. Um, this is one of those things that when we read about it this morning, it might be one of those stories that your mom or your dad uh, actually tells you to close your eyes, um, because it's kind, of, uh, it's kind of sad. It's a sad story, and, uh, and what takes place uh, is really, really uh, horrific, and yet what takes place here uh, changes your life and my life for all of eternity, And so I want to read this story uh, to you this morning from Mark chapter 15. Mark chapter 15, uh, beginning in verse 21. Uh, Jesus had gone before Pilate, and Pilate had handed him over to be uh, crucified. And Jesus is carrying his uh, cross to where he will be crucified. And it says in verse 21, and they compelled a, a passerby. Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to carry his cross. And they brought him to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. And they offered Jesus wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. And they crucified him and divided his garments among them, casting lots for them to decide uh, what each should take. And it was the third hour when they crucified him. So also the chief priest and the scribes mocked him to one another, saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. Those who were crucified him were also, revi- also reviled him. Verse 33 says, And when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, uh, Elit, uh, 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 Eloi Eloi lama Sabachthani, which means my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, behold, he is calling Elijah. And someone ran and filled a sponge with sour wine and put it on a reed and gave uh, it to him to drink, saying, wait, let us see whether Elijah will come down and and take him down. And Jesus uttered a a loud cry and breathed his last. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood facing him saw that in this way he breathed his last, he said, truly, this man was the Son of God. There were also women looking on from a distance. Among them were Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James the Younger, and of uh, Joseph and Salome. When he was in Galilee, they followed him and ministered to him. And there were also many other women who came up with him to Jerusalem. And when evening came, since it was the day of preparation, that is the day before the Sabbath, Joseph Joseph of Arimathea, a respected member of the council, who also himself was looking for the kingdom of God, took courage and went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Pilate was surprised to hear that he should have already died. And summoning the centurion, he asked him whether he was already dead. And when he learned from the centurion that he was dead, he granted the corpse to Joseph. And Joseph brought a linen shroud and taking him down, wrapped him in the linen shroud and laid him in a tomb that had been cut out of the rock. And he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of uh, uh, Joseph, saw where he was laid. Uh, A number of years ago, I saw a movie called Big Fish. A Big Fish is a movie about an older man who was, uh, who was dying, and his son in the movie wanted desperately to get to know his dad because he, feel like, he felt like he never really knew his father. You see, his father was a storyteller. His father told such fabulous stories that his son didn't know the difference between fact and fiction. Sometimes his dad would tell a story and his son would listen and he would think, I think that there is some truth in that story, but he didn't know what was true and what was make-believe. And so this story chronicles this son who tried to get to know his father during his last days. His dad famously said, most men will tell you a story that's straight truth. It won't be complicated, but it won't uh, be interesting either. Right? Well, this A story that I read to you uh, this morning. And this story is straight truth. It's not made up. There aren't some details that are true and other details that are false. Uh, This this really did happen. Jesus uh, came to this earth and lived a perfect life and died a sinner's death. Jesus really did suffer, Jesus really did die, Uh, Jesus really was buried. Uh, we read in this story that Jesus suffered a number of different ways. Jesus uh, suffered physically. As, as I read to you the mo- story this morning, maybe you imagine what it would have been like to have been Jesus uh, as he, he suffered a sinner's death on the cross. Maybe you imagine what it would be like for Jesus to carry his cross, for his hands or to his feet uh, to be nailed to that cross. When we read this story, we're reminded that Jesus suffered physically. Have you ever experienced uh, pain or discomfort before? I mean, kids, you probably at some point in your life have have dealt with something that has caused you pain or discomfort. Maybe you stubbed your toe or uh, you got a paper cut or maybe you were jumping on a trampoline and you broke your arm or your leg. Have you ever experienced uh, pain or discomfort before? Uh, The worst pain that I have ever felt in my life was when I was a teenager. I was 18 years old, and I was preparing uh, to go off to college. And so I decided that uh, for that particular summer, I would do construction, uh, which is funny because I don't construct anything. I'm not very good with my hands. But I knew someone, and they hired me to do roofing, uh, or some people call it roofing, roof, rough. We call it roofing in the north. I don't know what they call it here, which meant I climbed a tall ladder and I got on top of a roof or a roof. Uh, And I would put shingles on top of my shoulders and carry them up the ladder. I was young and foolish, and risk didn't bother me. I worked with a dad and his son. The son uh, had lots of energy. He was a young guy, and he knew what he was doing. I was also young. I had a lot of energy, and I did not know what I was doing. And so I just did whatever this other kid did. And one particular hot summer day, he took off his shirt because he wanted to work on his tan. It was hot, and I thought, well, that seemed like a good idea to me. So I also took off my shirt, and I worked for about 30 minutes. Someone in the back is laughing at me right now because they know where I'm going with this. I took off my shirt for about 30 minutes, and he looked at me, and he's like, "Uh, James, you need to put your shirt back on. And I'm like, why? Like, I'm working on my tan. He's like, dude, you're red. Man, you are red. He goes, you have a sunburn. I'm like, you're kidding me. And so I put my shirt back on. I went home, and later that night, I looked in the mirror, and this is what I saw. I had turned into Bob the Tomato but it wasn't so bad at night when I went to bed I woke up in the morning and I was in such excruciating pain that I literally got in the shower and turned the water on as cold as it possibly could go and I called the doctor while I was in the shower. I was crying. I was bawling. I see it. it was the only time in my life where I'm like, sweet Jesus, like please come back. If you come back, I know I hadn't been married yet. I'm like, you can come back now. I don't care. Like Jesus, I want you to come. Like make the pain stop. It was so excruciating for me. Have you ever felt excruciating pain before? Oh, it hurts so badly. It is so miserable. I, I tried to to think. Jesus, Jesus experienced excruciating pain physical pain. I can't even imagine it. I read the story and it just seems uh, in many ways just to be a, a story that happened some 2,000 years ago. I've read these verses a hundred times in my life and yet I am reminded that Jesus experienced excruciating physical pain. Jesus also experienced emotional pain. Jesus had pain uh, emotionally like you and me. He, he felt emotion. He was, he was happy and he was sad and, and he was disappointed and I think there were times uh, in his life when he probably experienced some sort of, of maybe embarrassment or when people said things about him um, that were not true, it probably didn't sit well with him. You wouldn't know it from just reading the text, but it says here that when Jesus was crucified, they they divided his garments among them. Oftentimes when a criminal was crucified on the cross, uh, they would would strip him naked and people would walk by and it was so shameful for someone. More than likely that happened to Jesus. People shouted things to him when he was on the cross. They they mocked him. They said he, he saved others, but he cannot save himself. Has anyone ever said anything to you that made you uh, feel embarrassed? Maybe a friend said something to you at school or maybe you did something that was embarrassing and other people noticed it. When I was in sixth grade, my brother and I moved to a new community and uh, we had taken our bikes and driven them to the park and there was a group of kids that were hanging out there and uh and actually my brother was in sixth grade i was in fourth grade at the time and we were watching these kids and one of the things that we noticed that they did is they could spit through their teeth and i thought man that's really cool that they can spit through their teeth i mean i'm just a little guy and so i decided that i too was going to spit through my teeth only i hadn't perfected it yet and so when i spit through my teeth it just kind of dribbled down my chin and it sounds so silly even now when I think about it, but, but back then when I was just a little guy, I was so embarrassed by that. I was like, I can't believe they saw that. I tried to be cool. I tried to fit in. I tried to have people perceive me a certain way, and yet I was so embarrassed by what I had done. I, I wonder in some ways if Jesus uh, did, did not experience this in part when he was crucified, when people shouted things to him on the cross. Jesus experienced real physical pain, he experienced real emotional pain, and Jesus experienced a real a spiritual pain as well. Jesus cried out on the cross in a loud voice, something that a translated means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Uh, theologians, real smart people who study the Bible, say that when Jesus said this, it was as if um, the sins of the world were being placed upon his shoulders. Like the punishment that that I deserved and that you deserved, um, God the Father had placed the punishment that we deserved on His Son. It was as if the Father, in some sort of way, was turning His back on His Son. Why have you forsaken me? I wonder if, in that moment, Jesus didn't feel some sort of abandonment. Have you ever felt abandoned before? Did you ever get lost at a store? Ever go to a store with your mom or dad, and they're shopping, and you're running around, and you're being silly, and you're running in and out of the clothes, and you look up, and your mom or your dad are gone? You know know the feeling that you experience when you look, and your mom or your dad are no longer there? A number of years ago, when my kids were very small, we were in South Haven, Michigan on vacation. And one of the things that you do in South Haven, Michigan, that's kind of a big deal is you go to the farmer's market. Um, We go to the farmer's market. If you've never been to the farmer's market before, you go to buy uh, produce and fruits and vegetables. and, And the farmer's market is in this kind of, there's a roof and there's a line tables to the left and to the right. It's kind of a big deal in South Haven, Michigan. There's not a lot in South Haven, Michigan. So people look forward to the farmer's market uh, twice a week. Well, on one particular occasion, uh, we had all piled into our minivan, and I went to uh, take my family to the farmer's market. Parking was hard to find, so I said, listen, I'm just going to drop you guys off, and I'm going to go find a parking spot, and I'll come back. And so I pulled up to the farmer's market. I pulled up to that place right there, and I let my family out of uh, the van. And then uh, I left, and I looked for a parking spot. About three or four blocks from this place, I finally found a parking spot. I parked the van, and uh, I started walking uh, back toward the farmer's market so I could be reunited with my wonderful family. When I uh, made it to the farmer's market, I looked at that big open space, and I saw standing there uh, my wife, Melissa. And she had with her Amelia, who was just a baby at the time. She was just a little tiny girl. And I also looked up, and I saw Cadman, uh, my oldest child, who was roughly about seven years old at the time. Um, and so there was Melissa, and there was Amelia, and there uh, was Cadman. I don't know if you know this or not, but I have three children. And uh, and one of them wasn't there. And Melissa looked up at me and said, uh, "James, uh, where's Noah?" Um, I don't know if you've ever had this feeling before in life where you're forgetting something, you know, like you maybe you go to school and you realize you forgot your homework and you're like, oh, I left my homework on the kitchen table. Like, I forgot to bring it. Or you, you're unpacking your bag in the morning and you're like, I forgot my lunch. Like, I packed my lunch. It's in the refrigerator. I didn't bring it. Or maybe you go to, to pay for your lunch at uh, some restaurant and you do one of these and you realize... I left my wallet in my other jeans at the house. Um, Well, in that moment, I, I felt that deep in my soul, only it wasn't a lunch or homework or a wallet that I forgot. It was my middle child. And so Melissa said, James, Noah was sleeping in the back of the van. You didn't get him? There's really no good answer at that point. I'm like, I, I just felt my heart dropped. I had on a pair of flip-flops, and I have never run so fast in my life, four blocks. Because I had this picture of, of Noah, my little boy. he's probably four or five years old at the time. I'm running back to the van, and I'm just like praying to God that he is still sleeping when I make it back to the van. I turn the corner, I look, and I looked up, and I saw the van, and I saw Noah standing uh, in, in the middle of the van, kind of in the, in, the, in the middle seat, and just had these big, massive, like, alligator tears. And I just thought, oh, my goodness. Like, I cannot imagine what it would have felt like uh, for him, just those few moments, uh, to feel as if uh, he was abandoned. I probably should take this opportunity to tell Noah, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> I really... <laughs> I really do love and care for you deeply. Please forgive me. I can't imagine what that would have felt like, just to, just to be a little kid and just to feel like people that know you and love you and protect you have, have left you. I don't know what it was like for, for Jesus uh, that, that day uh, to, be, to be on the cross and to cry out uh, to his Father, my God, my God why have you forsaken me my dads don't do that right i mean dad, i mean we're dads like we come to the rescue of our kids we love our kids we pour into our kids we protect our kids we're we're there for our kids yet in this in this moment jesus is crying out to god and saying why have you forsaken me jesus jesus experienced real suffering he experienced real physical suffering and emotional suffering and, and spiritual suffering. He, he really uh, did die. He really was uh, buried. And when I read this story, I, I think to myself or I ask myself, uh, why? Why, uh, why did Jesus uh, do this? Why did he do this? This is a, qu- a question that we wrestle with as uh, his people. And so this morning, I just I want us to, to think together about one thing that this story teaches us about us. Right? One thing that this story teaches us about us, about humanity. Uh, one thing that this story teaches us about God. Uh, and, and one thing that we can do in response. Uh, the first thing that this story teaches us about who we are uh, is that our sin, our sin, is a really, really big deal. Our sin's a really big deal. Um, sin is anything that we do against God in word or thought or in deed. Right? Word or thought or deed. Things that we say that run contrary uh, to God's desire or intent. Things that we do or things that uh, we think. And Scripture teaches us that, that we... Uh, All suffer from this condition, that we are sinners, that we've all done things and said things and thought things that run contrary uh, to God's law. Sometimes when I think about sin, well, one, I don't like to think about it. We don't typically like to talk about it. It's not uh, a subject that uh, brings a lot of joy or happiness uh, to us. But oftentimes when I think of sin, it's easy for me uh, to think of other people and other people's sins. Um, Sometimes in our minds, we think of uh, people who have done really bad things, and we uh, decide in our hearts or in our minds that those people are kind of the sinners, right? They're the people that we read about in the newspaper. They're the people that we read about in the history books. Uh, They're the people that uh, people tweet about or write articles about, and we hear stories of what uh, people have done, and we think to ourselves, boy, they really need help. And oftentimes, uh, we look at ourselves as the more polished people, uh, the people that kind of have it together, the people who have made a few mistakes over the course of our lives, but but we're not like them over there. And yet, what this story teaches us, what it teaches you and me, is that, that my sin, that my sin is a really big deal. Like I've done things and I've said things and I've thought things uh, that required uh, the sacrifice of Jesus. That means when, when I'm prideful, when I think about myself, when I operate in such a way that I, I kind of believe that the world revolves around me and what I want and what I desire and what I like uh, at the cost of others, that that sin of pride was sufficient or significant enough to send Jesus to the cross. When I'm envious, when I look uh, at other people and I think to myself, boy, I wish I had what they have. I I wish I could have that experience. I wish I could live there or drive that or have that. When I'm envious of other people, uh, that sin is so significant that Jesus had to pay for it on the cross. When I compare, when I look at uh, my life and compare it to the lives of others and think to myself, I wish I was a leader like him. I wish that I was smart like him. I wish I was dynamic uh, like him. When I compare uh, myself to other people, that sin, that sin was so offensive to a holy and a good and a just God that Jesus needed to pay for that sin. What this story teaches us is that our sin is a really uh, big deal, but the beautiful thing um, that we read in this story, something that is amazing to me and still to this day uh, seems to make little sense, is what this teaches us about God is His deep love uh, for us, His deep love for us. Listen, we live in a world that basically says, if you behave and perform, you will be rewarded. Right? If you follow the rules, if you're not disobedient, if you do what is asked of you, then uh, you will be rewarded. Then good things will happen to you. Then uh, God will be pleased with you. But this story teaches us just the opposite. Uh, scripture teaches us that while we were yet sinners, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God demonstrates his love for us in that while we were sinners, Christ died uh, for us. Not because of our performance, not because we followed the rules, not because we earned it or deserved it. Uh, It simply was an act of grace. It simply was an act of love. How much, how much does the Father in heaven uh, have to love you to give you his most prized possession? You see, this story does teach us about the weight of our sin, but it also shows us uh, the beauty of God's love for us. And it also teaches us that God wants us to respond to him in faith. God wants us to respond to him in faith. God wants us to know him and to trust him and to love him, uh, to live the kind of lives that say, God, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. Uh, Wherever you want me to go, I'll go. Whatever you ask me to do, I'll do Because God has loved us so much with a radical, a radical love that we respond to him uh, in faith. And so my prayer for you, my prayer for you kids, is that you might respond in faith uh, to a God that has demonstrated his love to you uh, by sending Jesus to die uh, for your sins. In Christ Point family, my prayer for you and for me is that we too would respond in faith. Uh, that, that we, like uh, the centurion, like the soldier, would look uh, to Jesus and say, truly, this man uh, was the Son of God. Do you know him? Uh, do you know that, that Son of God, Jesus, who lived a perfect life and died a sinner's death for you? Uh, I pray uh, that you might. Would you pray with me? Father God, thank you so much for uh, for loving us. Thank you so much for demonstrating uh, your deep love for us and sending uh, your son Jesus to live a perfect life and to die a sinner's death. God, thank you that you have uh, opened our eyes and helped us to see uh, who Jesus uh, is. Thank you, Lord, that you have stirred our hearts and our affections for you. God, I pray for those uh, here this morning that might be uh, considering the faith or wrestling uh, with faith. Lord, I pray that you would be gracious and kind to them this morning. Uh, Remind them, Lord, of your grace and of your goodness. God, we love you. We thank you so much for loving us first. We pray these things in Jesus' name and by your spirit. Amen.